two. Right. Um, smart kid, three, at least three, three. And above. You're also describing Hurts. Yeah, it's tough. Way. I mean, uh, physical. I mean, offensive line. My defensive line is totally opposite. What do you mean? Single mama. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Trying to get it. Uh, he's on free lunch. I mean, like, uh, uh, I mean, I'm talking about just trying to make it. He's trying to rescue mama. And happy Saturday, and welcome to the deal. I'm your host Ed Clark. It is Saturday, March 4th, 2023. We're so happy to have you in with us. Uh, Val Atkinson has the week off, and we got a special edition of the deal uh, with uh, Sherelle James. Hey, Sherelle, welcome to the deal. Hey, 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 so happy to be here. But Sherelle, you know, in the intro, uh, you know, we always play clips about what we want to talk about. And one of the, the last clip in the intro, and let's just start there, Deion Sanders. Now, you know, Coach Prime, as he likes to be called, uh, is at the University of Colorado now. He had gone. He had been at um, Jackson State. And there was a bunch of hoopla about you know him being at Jackson State and what he did for HBCU football. He couldn't beat Central or South Carolina State, by the way. But that's that's a whole other subject. And we've had we and we've had the coach from Elizabeth City State on this year as well, talking about how the landscape of football has changed even for HBCUs, but now Dion's at University of Colorado. And in the clip, he says some stuff that I'm not sure should have been said the way we said. Now, I know that, you know, sometimes we get in a room with our folks and we say things, right? So Dion says that, you know, he's looking for a particular kind of player, in this case, somebody who's hungry and then he specifically put it down to reduced or free lunch and okay funny haha whatever but what made me uncomfortable was three white men sitting there cracking up and and a lot of these kids really do think the nfl may be what saves their family talk to me about what you think about what coach prime said on the Rich Eisen show. You know, I'm not going to say that there's no truth in what he said, because he's a coach and, and what he looks for is what he looks for. Plain and simple, right? So if he was um, telling his truth, then that's his truth. Uh, I think there's a way to tell your truth and not diminish others. Uh, there's a lot of stereotypes, especially when we talk about African American children or just African-Americans in general, there's already stereotypes out there in the world, right, uh, about uh, us. And uh, to talk about single parent home and uh, in a single parent home that's on free or reduced lunch uh, speaks not only about the student, but now you're talking about the parent as well. Um, and are, could that be true? It could be true. It definitely could be true. Um, but it just puts down so many different stereotypes. And I know he wasn't talking about one race or the other. It's just, it's just the stereotypes that were coming out, um, you know, of his mouth. And the fact that there was others there, different race, they're probably having in their mind, right? African-American male, single parent home with a mother who's struggling, working all these jobs, waiting for the baby to make it so that she can stop working. And then the laugh that came from that, not not a, a good conversation where we're talking for real. I'm telling you my truth and we're really having a good discussion about it. But now it's a joke. Now it becomes almost a joke. And I don't know. Now I sit there and I only know a little bit of the clip. I can't find before and after. Um, I'm looking for that now. But I have not seen before after. Let me say that. I have not seen the before and after that that little small snippet. But the laugh could have been from an uncomfortableness of what he was talking about, right? Or it could have been because they just found it funny. But what it came across as to me is offensive and found funny. And I, I just wonder if there's a different way that you could have had that same conversation and not been as animated. And we know Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, Prime Time, even before Coach, right, was Prime Time, animated and definitely can give us a show. But... um. I don't know what impact that may have had 
in the long run overall when we talk about the future of athletes um, and what that makes them feel like, you know, say, that's me or um, that I, I have a single mom or, you know, I don't have a two parent family. There's already some stigma that's already there. And then you come and uh, being a coach who should be an example and a leader you come and kind of define that in a way, broadcasting it widely. Even if that's what you do, you know, you got to tell all your secrets. Yeah, you don't have to tell all your secrets, which, you know, actually is where I wanted to start today, Sherelle, because this is a special edition of the deal. We got a guest coming up in the second segment. Uh, his name is Brentley Wright, and he talks about diversity and inclusion. And, and right now we are in a quandary in this country uh, because there are some people who are not happy at all that colored folk may <laughs> run stuff, right? And so in the second segment, I, I, I really encourage people to stay around for that, um, you know, and, and listen to Brentley Wright. If you also have a chance, there'll be a longer interview with him on Sunday, uh, March 4th fifth on Foxy 107, 104 on Connections at 8 a.m. But if you don't want to get up at 8 a.m., you can always hear the replay on this website, thedealwithedclark.com, and click on the link for Connections, and you'll be able to get the whole interview with Brentley Wright uh, when we talk to him there. But um, what struck me about Coach Prime is still this notion that we're desperate and it can only have sports as a way to get out, right? Um, I played sports. Uh, I was never going to make it in the NFL or as an Olympian in track and field, which I thought, you know, when I was younger, I said, maybe I'll end up being the world's greatest triple jumper or whatever. Uh, that did not happen. Uh, when I played rugby, you know, maybe I played for the U.S. team, did not do that. Uh, and, and all of it turned out to be, an experience that you have that you can carry on your life and you got lifelong friends and so on and so forth and, and more of a social thing and not the way to financial freedom. And, and I think that's what bothered me the most is this notion that that's all colored people can do is look for that uh, golden ticket that, that can happen through sport in the NFL. So I'll leave it there. So I want to remind you guys that if you're listening to the podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever, this is the deal. Uh, Sherelle James is in with us today. If you're watching us on video, uh, you can get us on Anchor uh, and a lot of Spotify. Uh, you can get us on YouTube and Facebook. We're everywhere, Sherelle. And so we want you to subscribe and share it with people. And I think you're going to get a lot of the conversation in the second half of the show. But uh, I do want to cover a couple other things, Sherelle. Eli Lilly, uh, who is a pharmaceutical company, decided that they were going to cap uh, insulin at $35, which is something that uh, Joe Biden talked about in his State of the Union speech where the uh, Medicare has capped uh, at $35. Now Eli Lilly is going to do it. Uh, what do you think about uh, what Eli Lilly has done and, and, you know, clearly they're a company that makes money off of drugs, but talk to me about this $35 cap. Listen, I am super excited when I heard it. Um, the pharmaceutical industry is just amazing. That's the word I'm going to use today. Amazing. <laughs> and I, and I, I don't say that a hundred percent in a good way. Right. Uh, they do help and, and there is a, a place for the pharmaceutical industry, but the absorbent amount of money that they charge for things that don't cost that much to produce and to know that it's to help people, you know, with ailments and to live longer and, and whatever it is that they're helping with, uh, have better recreation or whatever it may be, uh, to take that and then figure out how to not just profit, but to pretty much segregate is really what they do, 
right? Segregate who who can who can get in, who can't get it, because of again going back to. I just think this follows the line of what we were talking about in the beginning of who which where do you lie from a monetary standpoint in your life? You know what what is the economic value you you currently are holding in the world uh, depends on if you can get medicine or not. Uh, you know, uh, and what is available to you. And I think that bringing this down, especially being that knowing that diabetes is very rampant in the African-American community. So it hits home for me, um, bringing it into a cap where people are choosing, do I eat today or do I go, or I go get my medicine? You know, do I, um, kids are, are going without to get medicine that they need and whatever else it may be. Um, I applaud Eli Lilly, and I'm hoping that more ph pharmaceutical companies um, take note and follow suit. I hope so too, because drugs cost too damn much, and and that's the official way to say it. It's too damn much, and and, and it puts strains on families and people. And you have to make a decision about whether or not you're going to buy this medication, or you're going to eat. So you a lot of decisions you have to make, uh, uh, Sherelle, and and I don't like that. The other story I want to talk about uh, is also health related. Uh, I got a clip here we're going to play and then we'll talk about it. Calling out China, the U.S. ambassador to China tonight demanding the country, quote, be more honest about the origin of COVID-19. This after a new report from the U.S. Department of Energy found the virus likely resulted from a lab leak in Wuhan, where the first cases of the virus appeared. The Chinese government tonight, as usual, is denying the lab leak theory. Our David Culver has a Southfront investigation on what he witnessed when he traveled to what is still ground zero for COVID-19. Wuhan, China. You know it as the city from which COVID-19 first emerged, but how exactly it started depends on who you ask and who you believe. We're gonna have to push China to be more honest about what happened three years ago in Wuhan with the origin of the, of the uh, COVID-19 crisis. The U.S. Energy Department, just the latest agency to assess with low confidence that the virus likely came from a lab leak. That according to two sources. It's a claim that infuriates Chinese officials. China's foreign ministry Monday calling on the U.S. to stop smearing China and stop politicizing the issue of the virus origin. Our first of three trips. Okay, Sherelle. So guess what? Now people are saying, you know, there may have been a leak of COVID from a lab in Wuhan, which was kind of on the table before. It, the orange guy, Donald Trump, alluded to it when he was president, but he just didn't have any tact and he didn't know how to talk about stuff when he would get up to the podium or whatever. He also told us to put bleach in our bodies, which is, we don't even want to go there. But what I'm concerned about, Sherelle, is so it did so if it came from china so if it was from a lab leak it killed over a million american people not because it was leaked from china that that is the antecedent right that happened before but once it was here and we knew it was here people fought over mask sherelle people fought over getting vaccinated people that i know died from covid people that that I know died from COVID. Some died because they refused to take the vaccine and some died because they had immunocompromised situations and they died. And then there was a radio host who used to be in the Raleigh-Durham area who I knew pretty well, Phil Valentine, who made his whole shtick off of being as right as you can get. And I knew Phil, I knew him. I knew that a lot of it was just him running off at the mouth, right? And he then he got into that right-wing conservative thing. He died, Sherelle, because he would double, kept doubling down on not getting vaccinated, whatever, blah, 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 and being a full-on MAGA supporter, he died. So here's the question for you. Does it matter that it, if it was a lab leak or not? Um, at this point, I don't think it does. Um, in the sense of, okay, it, it could, because of the devastation that's happened, it's more so about what are we doing about the devastation and COVID is still here. So what are we doing about that at this point? Um, 
does it matter in the sense of maybe protocols or um, figuring out how uh, we can kind of maybe respond better next time or, you know, putting in some safe fails? I mean, we're not China, but who knows what we can do to help them out. But maybe in that way, it matters, right? Uh, if we're being proactive in some things. But now it's it's way beyond where did it come from, who did it, and, and why did it happen? It's about it's still here. We're in 2023, and that happened in 2020. And uh, people are still wearing masks. Uh, people are still getting COVID. People are still dying. And um, it's leading the way for other things that are coming in as well. Uh, I mean, when I think about the the uh, emergency department and and all the you know, talking to nurses and uh, I've got family that works there and it's like, I'm just tired of COVID and RSV and all these different things are starting to pop up now. Um, maybe in that way it matters because maybe we can figure out, okay, how are these other things are happening, things of like that. But other than that, it's just a distraction from what do we need to do now? Yeah, um, exactly. You know, before we run out of time in this segment, because I really want to get to uh, uh, Brentley Wright. He's patiently waiting uh, to talk to us. Uh, one last thing I want to talk about, and I think is extremely important, I think we're going to have to have a longer discussion about this at some point, is that the Supreme Court heard oral arguments this week on the student loan forgiveness. Uh, President Biden promised uh, to forgive uh, up to $20,000 for some people for student loans. And, you know, just from listening to the arguments uh, in, in in the break, uh, you'll hear some of those oral arguments. It doesn't sound like it's going to survive. And what that means is people are going to be back to paying these student loans. And Sherelle, some people pay decades on these loans. What What's the, uh, the upshot of the Supreme Court if they say that President Biden's plan is unconstitutional? What does it mean for you know, the folks who, you know, are going to have to start paying again. I think that for the folks that have to start paying again or um, continue to pay, right, um, it can be detrimental to, again, we just talked about medicine and, and choosing between medicine and um, medicine and food. Well, the same thing with student loans. I mean, it's so just think about having a student loan that's 20 to 34 years old. But even like if you got a student loan in a time where the economy was down when you graduated, like when did you have a chance to actually get a job and, and the economy failing and, and not really picking up? And so being able to pay the the uh, the student loan when you wanted to, or if you didn't want to, but you know, being able to pay the student loan kind of became one of those things of, it's not that I don't want to, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't afford to pay it. I've got other things I need to do. And so that brings some relief to uh, student loan borrowers. I think that also there's a bigger thing that we should be talking about here outside of this. I think this is a start. I don't think it's the end. I think this is a start um, when we talk about student loans, but uh, there needs to be some other legislations and policies put in place moving forward about student loans and um, helping people because you go to school and you get in debt to get an education so you can come out and get a job like that doesn't even make sense. I'm already in debt before I even start. So I'm starting not at ground zero, not with one leg up because now I have a degree. I'm starting below ground zero at negative, 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 because I have debt and all these other things. So the impact to credit, just all these kind of things come up. And I know we, we've got to definitely have a longer conversation about this another day, but it, it, I, it's, it's going to be a, a bad impact if they're not able to sort this out. And, and definitely um, people will be in a bad way. Yeah, people will be in a bad way. You know what, Sherelle, that, that, that's a good time for us to take a break. Uh, you know, of course, we didn't talk about anything that was uplifting in this first segment. And, and I'm not sure we're going to talk about a whole lot that's uplifting in this segment that's coming up with Brentley Wright. However, we need to talk to him. So let's take a break. And when we come back, uh, Brentley Wright will be in with us. 
talk about diversity. They're right there, we'll be right back at you. Meanwhile, the U.S. Supreme Court took up two cases today challenging President Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. The pause on student loan repayments that started in March of 2020 will be lifted 60 days after the cases are resolved. Most if you're talking about this in the abstract, I think most casual observers would say if you're going to give up that much amount of money, if you're going to affect the obligations of that many Americans on a subject that's of great controversy, they would think that's something for Congress to act on. One of the reasons that we should care about change and growth as leaders is not because our business isn't successful today. It's what could it be if we were better. The diversity movement was something that we had to do. As a marketer, as a business leader, clients started to ask us to think about communicating with a multicultural lens. Certainly diversity, equity, inclusion is the right thing to do, but it also has to be the right thing to do for your business's success. Companies want to be associated with brands and products and people that they're proud to be associated with. So who you are matters more than it ever did before. My wide range of experience as an entrepreneur, as an angel investor, as a quota-carrying technology sales professional, as the leader and CEO of a marketing firm, the founder of the startup, the diversity movement, gives me a point of view of how to bring you relevant examples that you can incorporate into your business. By winning every day, you can create the culture you want in your department, then your team, then your organization. And welcome back to our second segment of The Deal. I'm your host, Ed Clark. We've got a special guest for our second segment today. His name is Brentley Wright, and he uh, does diversity and inclusion. We just wrapped up Black History Month, and I, I, I made a, uh, a command decision, Sherelle. Uh, from from now on, we're not just going to have Black History Month. We're going to do Black History uh, 12 months a year, 365 days a year. And, and, and we're going to continue to have on guests that talk about issues that are important, not only to African-Americans, because once we start talking about DEI, you're going to see that it affects everybody. Uh, so, Sherelle, do you mind telling us a little bit about Brentley Wright? Yeah, you know, Brentley Wright is an entrepreneur and a relationship builder, and so happy to have him today. Uh, certified diversity, equity, and inclusion practitioner with a proven track record of success when it comes to multicultural business arenas. So Brentley works at TDM, that's the diversity movement, and he leads DEI Navigator, the company's monthly membership service designed exclusively for businesses committed to DEI action and results. Brentley has a background in telecommunications and financial services sales, as well as a host of certifications, professional certifications. And he is a DEI expert and super excited to have him today to talk to us about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Brentley, welcome to the deal. Glad to be here. Thanks. Good to meet you, Ed. Sherelle, what's going on? Well, look, man, uh, uh, just a programming note, Br Brentley's going to be with us on Connections, uh, also on the radio. So uh, it's a longer discussion. So if you if you want to uh, catch that, you can also catch that on the dealwithedclark.com. Just click on the link up here where it says Connections, and uh, you'll be able to get the, the other interview with Brentley. But I wanted him on the deal today because, you know, we do a little bit something different over the deal. Um, you know, we try to keep abreast of current events. And one of the current events we talked about in the first segment, uh, Brentley, was just this move uh, to deny that there's other people in the country. We don't want to talk about black history. We don't want to talk about colored folk. We don't. It, everything is woke. You know, and, and you get these people like uh, DeSantis and Abbott and those folks who I'm sure if you walked in the room and say, hey, I'm Brentley Wright and I and I do diversity and inclusion, they would not be happy to see you, brother. So <laughs> talk to me first about this uh, notion of this backlash uh, from people like DeSantis and all those people and, and how it makes your job a lot harder. Uh, in that environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would throw me out of the room quickly. Uh, security would be coming to get me out. I, I, 
And I'll be trying to say, hold on, hold on, hold on. Listen, we all can win here. You know, the challenge is that it's just a zero-sum game approach. And, uh, you know, they think that if if you bring someone up, then they have to lose, right? If some, you make someone else win, you have to lose. And I just don't – you know, the, the, the interesting thing here is that I am so shocked and surprised that – I know that DEI at least hits one family member in their family. I mean, you can't tell me this doesn't touch one person in their family. And to overlook that type of uh uh that that type of approach and then do the things you're doing, it just makes it so much harder because you have some people in organizations that say, see. If our state says that we don't have to do it, we won't do it. Uh, we can catch backlash. We can have disdain toward DEI. And so we're always trying to have to figure out ways to rebrand DEI, et cetera. And on another note, it just thinks about, I think about just being able to remove the history of an individual. I mean, to erase who we are, to take us out of school uh, uh, education, to remove who we are from it which is basically american history and history itself uh it's just a damaging thing to black and brown individuals it's a damaging thing to have created almost 300 laws towards anti uh anti laws that go against lgbtq plus uh which is now raising high suicide rates for young uh uh lgbtq teens and i mean teens uh, who are committing suicide because they can't handle that pressure they can't go to school and so they're just doing so much to just exclude when di is about inclusion and equity for all equality and equity and that's what king fought for and that's what uh all the other civil rights leaders marched for and we got to continue that fight. We got to continue that fight to say, yeah, we're here. We're not going anywhere. Uh, we're going to keep pushing against pushing against those laws. Yeah. You know, Sherelle, um, the, the, you found Brentley for us uh, uh, and brought him in here. And I'm, I'm, I want to thank you for doing that. But I know we talk a lot, Sherelle, about, you know, uh, just how we feel the, in the environment here. You know, you, you have. Donald Trump running for president again. You have these Marjorie Taylor Greens, who we talked about her a few weeks ago. You know, she she had no problem with calling Joe Biden a liar at, at the State of the Union. You 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 had you had Proud Boys and and all these other groups who were people who are being convicted, you know, for their attempt to overthrow the the election. Uh and and as you listen to someone like Brentley Wright in in the job that he does, I know that raises some questions for you. Uh, so, uh, as we get browner, what do you think is going to happen to people like Brentley? Because they're already trying to get rid of his discipline. You know, have you thought about that, Sure. Yeah, you know, um, definitely. When we think about getting browner, I think that that history tells us that it invokes some type of fear in others, right? In, in, in certain people, uh, a lot of the people that you you just named. Um, for what reason? And your Brown, Brentley talked about just because one group raises up doesn't mean another group is lost or has to leave. There's room for everyone. And I, I think that sometimes, you know, my mom taught me to meet everyone at the human level first. And you can always find commonality, but we are built on the country is built on, you know, the difference of color, the difference of um, not just color, but gender uh, that we're built upon that. And we got to remember that, right, uh, that we're built upon that. And so as we get browner uh, and and our other brown brothers and sisters, you know, come up alongside of us. I think one that has to happen because there's there's division there, and so there needs to be some uh, unity in that. But number two, 
I think that the conversations have to happen, right? And and, and I think that's what we're doing here and, and what's happening with Brentley and what he does. There's always going to be another side, an opposite side. There's always going to be an opposing side to things. And it's who's going to be the loudest? Who can unify the best and have that strength behind them? And then who can be loudest with their message after that? And I don't mean just to be loud to shout it, but I mean to plant it, to plant the seeds, to water those seeds, to grow those seeds and to move it forward. And I think that's the only way as we continue to see this world become browner uh, and the U.S. to become browner, that we have a chance or we may be back. You know, history has a, a, a um, history has a, a, a history of repeating cycles and uh We've seen what's happened before when uh, people felt threatened, you know, by brown and black people. And we just have to be able to find those allies on the other side, number one. And two, there needs to be a plan in unity. Yeah. I want to remind you, if you're listening to the podcast, this is The Deal with Ed Clark. Uh, and uh, if you're watching us, you're watching us on any of the platforms, YouTube, Facebook, whatever. Um but uh, you can also subscribe on any of the podcasting platforms, uh, Anchor, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever, wherever you get your fine podcast. That's where we want you to go. Uh, and, and we're lucky that uh, I was able to uh, kidnap Brentley Wright uh, to um, do a segment with us tonight. Uh, and uh, so whenever you're watching this, uh, we appreciate you doing that and ask other people to subscribe and become uh, uh, participants in the deal with uh, Ed Clark and Sherelle Jane and sometimes Val Atkinson and the whole cast of characters that come through. Well, Brent, Brentley, you know, um, what what I think is important about your job is that, again, uh, America is a weird experiment that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. I've been to a lot of countries uh, around the world, and you go there and everybody looks the same. Right, for the most part. I mean, you, you can go to England and France, and there's a fair number of black people, but not like in America. America is weird. Right? You got people from everywhere. We all came on boats. There's only a few people who were here that, you know, before all of us came. When you're doing diversity and inclusion, do you ever think about the fact that? This is a weird experiment. America is something different altogether that you're trying to get people to act nice to each other, essentially, who don't really want to do that or haven't shown a propensity to do that. Doesn't that make your job a lot harder? Yeah, it does, because, you know, what I had to think about is uh, how how homogeneous we are. Right. So Deborah Plummer wrote a book called uh, Racing, Dr. Deborah Plummer, Racing Across Racial Lines. And typically it, it really is about the reason you can't be empathetic towards one another or have great relational intelligence is because you don't, you're not at the dinner table with one another. And until that changes, that's her thesis in the whole book, basically, is until what you do after five o'clock changes then the workplace really doesn't change. The church place really doesn't change because you're staying in your own homogenous bubble. <laughs> right. And so you in the workplace is different. The power of the workplace is there are so many different plights. Frances Winter told us this in her book. We can't talk about that at work. Right. She talked about the fact that there are so many plights. Uh, there's black plight. There's LGBTQ plus plight. There's the Muslim plight. There's the uh, Latina plight. There is the uh, sexual orientation plight, the transgender plight. When you're thinking about all these different plights, and I just added a layer to what she said, which I kind of do in my instructions and leadership toward these organizations is when you have these different plights in the workplace, what you see is one plight is trying to be louder than the other. Right. And so you're, you're all we're all screaming to be heard inside of these four walls. 
<laughs> and so the 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 interesting thing is to say, okay, how can we be an organization that says we hear all of the plights and the screaming, and our job is to level it out, right? So where we're celebrating the diversity in our organization, we're celebrating the inclusive practices of our organization, and we're celebrating and also instituting. Uh, fair advancement and equitable practices for every person in this organization that decides to take this job serious and move forward. Like we're celebrating that. And that's the piece that you have to, you find weird. You find that weird, man. Cause it's like, how do we, what's this? What is the saying? Proximity breeds empathy, but distance breeds suspicion. So the organization can do so much, only so much. Ultimately, we still have to live in proximity with one another. We still have to come to work. I am with folks at work more than I am with my own family. So how do you create a culture to where you're not just ro robots and just mechanical and just just to the job? We've been having this for a long time. So some of it is coffee. You need to get coffee with someone of a different hue, someone of a different person group. And you need to enjoy that coffee and learning their story. That's the power of diversity being embraced in your own personal life. And that's something that the organization just even doesn't even have control over. Like that's what we can do. And I always talk about inside the four walls versus outside the four walls and outside those four walls, you got all kinds of things and the world is loud and the secular places are loud. And you know, there's so much injustice taking place. The power of the workplace says, what is going on outside does not and will not happen on the inside. There will not be discrimination here, even though it is prevalent and rising externally. We are going to be a organization that gets this done the right way. So it is weird at times because you're just like, I don't under, you, you know, it's like multi-generational leading, like leading, leading the generations. And some folks who are old enough to be my grandfather uh, have a distorted view and perspective. And then those that are older than me, maybe 10 years older than me are, are, you know, having such a hard time. Uh, how does, how do you help leaders in the organization who of a Christian faith lead their team and a few members on their team are gay or lesbian? And their moral judgment in the workplace is getting in the way of them leading them properly. Well, you face a legal risk now. And so you have to talk with and coach these leaders. And it's just a weird dynamic of really just leading people. And some of it is common sense. Like you just can't do that. You just can't say that. You, <laughs> you can't really show up that way. And so uh, it's just a fact as weird. And I'll say this too. The, the, the weird piece of it is uh, I just did a speech at Builders Mutual Insurance and I talked about how there's a difference between your authentic self and bringing your full self to work. Your authentic self, be you. We need you. We need you to come on in. We need you to get right. We want you to be included. Like we need you. Be you. No one else be you. But if you bring your authentic self to work, then you're implying that you know maturity needs to take place. Like every part of you is not mature. There needs to be some coaching, developing. We got to coach you to greatness. We got to we got to make sure some maturation processes are happening and you got to be OK with that. And we need you to kind of branch out, expand out and meet new people and <laughs> do things that just are not, you know, in your everyday routine. And so it's weird, man. All of these different dynamics that, you know, juggling that dynamic within the workplace, the loud noise on the outplace on the outside of the other workplace that's the, that are beating on the walls trying to get in and crumble the walls down. As I would say, uh, you know, in my approach the Jericho walls, they're just marching around the, the building, trying to, trying to uh, dismantle these walls, man. So, but even though it's weird, it's, it's tough work, but it's, you know what, it's worth fighting for. Yeah, it is worth fighting for. If you, if you're catching the podcast and you're hearing that voice, it's brilliantly right. He's uh, a diversity and inclusion expert. Sherelle uh, James is in with us this week on the deal um you, you know b before we run out of time in this segment Brantley I one of the things that uh one and, and the reason why I wanted uh you on is because I have a fear that uh Dr. King talked about something called dangerous optimism 
right? He said there'd be a time where you'd be able to go into the restaurant and eat and think that you have arrived and mm-hmm. forgotten about what you need to do to fight where the fight really is, because that's it was during the time when he was changing his perception of what he needed to fight for, where yeah. he, he took the poor people's campaign and they were planning on being in DC and yeah. he talked specifically to Johnson about the Vietnam war. And he was like, why are these, why are all the people going to fight in Vietnam? A lot of them are Brown and black and we still don't have equity here. Yeah. Kind of thing. And, and but he warned black folks, against becoming dangerously optimistic that you don't mm. have to fight anymore because you can now sit at the lunch counter. Mm-hmm. As a diversity and inclusion person, I'm pretty sure you hear from people who say, well, you got the job, you make <laughs> money. Uh, you guys live in neighborhoods, you're not, you know, not all of you are segregated, you know, things are much better than they used to be. <laughs> so, so what are we worried about? Yeah. What is your, what is your comeback to that? Uh, you know, what is the rationale for needing diversity and inclusion when I turn on my TV and essentially American culture around the world is black folk, right? Right. I mean, it, it, I, I, I've been to a lot of countries and the, everybody they know is black. They yeah. know Ron, they know Rihanna, they, you know, they know Beyonce, they know Jay-Z. Uh, I was in Sweden of all places <laughs> and the dudes were doing low rider cars yeah. in a little town in northern sweden playing snoop dog culture <laughs> so so they think that's american culture but americans not just black americans but all the other americans that we've talked about lgbtq women or whatever always feel disconnected here and white men still do a lot of stuff so explain that for me brentley yeah 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 you know like that's powerful because <clears throat> look you need a dei program in your workplace because you need to be thinking about not an individual but a people group right so one of the things i talked about that builders mutual speech was finding your purpose but the underlining the underpinning word to purpose is really burden see what kingdom had was a burden i talked about how civil rights was a burden and it was his highest ethical movement and i talked about 1966 operation breadbasket that was a burden because housing education uh economics health care were the four pillars that blacks were getting disparities and removing being removed from even moving forward so those are your four horsemen for our community so to sit and think about it just from an individualized way my charge to them was the reason you don't have your burden yet is because when you look out in the world you're not close to the voiceless the underrepresented or the marginalized so when you're not close and i hear somebody talking about we've made it if you want to talk about in a sense what time or what better time to live in america yeah right now 2023 is the best time to be living in america i don't want to go back (laughs) right i I can't go back right it's the best time but it is also not the ultimate complete time there is so much work to be doing especially in urban america where gentrification is happening all around us where kids are not getting even like wi-fi for their education uh you talk about healthcare, where the states now are, are demanding diversity uh plans for their even their clinical trials it's because we are not getting a piece of the pie collectively and what happens is if 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 we get to 2040 and we become the majority i like what roland martin says we could end up like south africa right a fully black established folk with no power, no presence, no influence, no money. So his fight right now is to say, okay, if that's the case, we better start preparing. We don't, we should not get to 2040 talking about economics as a group. We should not get to 2040 talking about getting a seat at the table. We should not be talking about pulling our folk up. If that's the case, and we get to 2040 still talking about that, we have ultimately lost. So I can't think about 
a person that's individually just because you live in your nice house and you good, you good. I ain't thinking about you. I need to know who you fighting for. I want to know who you're fighting for. Who have you let up? Who have you brought up in that organization? Who are you training? I need to know who you what's your what's your issue that you're fighting. And DEI does that gives you a burden. You know, Brentley, as you talk about then you talk about what are you fighting for? It reminds me of a question that I ask a lot, you know, as as I'm on different podcasts and, and facilitating and different things. And that is, are you fighting for or from victory? Mm. <laughs> are you fighting for or from victory? And it lets it really is a question that lets you know where that person is. Right. So a person who is fighting for victory is the reason why we need DEI. Yes. Right. That we need to be in the fight because the person who's fighting from victory yeah. or uh, have arrived in some sense of the word, then they you need to be fighting for the person who's fighting for victory because they have not gotten there yet. And no. just because you're there doesn't mean that there's not others that need to come across because all of us are on the shoulders of ancestors that have come before us. Mm -hmm. Right. That made that paved the way. We talk about uh, Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King, and all of those that were with him, all of those before him that were in the fight. And with that being said, well, we wouldn't be where we are. That's why 2023 is a great year to be <laughs> alive, right? But there's still more to do for those who are coming behind us. We may or may not make it to 2040, you know, just depending on what our life has planned for us. But to know that. Okay, Dr. King didn't make it to 2023, but yeah. guess what's here based on what he had a dream about and what the seeds that he planted and what happened. And I, I think that we have to look forward in that way. So I like the aspect of we cannot, cannot fail in sitting and pontificating and not having a plan of action. Absolutely. And so many times uh, we, we march and we do certain things, but there's no plan of to it and so it's just that right i'm not saying that it doesn't have its place so don't be confused i'm not saying it doesn't have its place but it's not this or that it's all of that has to happen right we have to have someone in the boardroom fighting we need someone in congress fighting we need someone on the street fighting and fighting i'm not talking about putting your dukes up and fighting people but being that advocate that needs to be we need it in all levels and all aspects and so no matter where you arrive to whether you got that job or you arrived to somewhere bigger or better then that's a point to get in the door to be an advocate for the bigger and greater good and so this conversation boy you can see it rouse me up because <laughs> it really hits at the heart for me because we can't be a society that's just about me Mm. that's what we've become so often is that drive in to the garage society right that is i drive in and I drive out and it's all about just what i have and i think that's why we see what we see today yeah you know sherelle that, that you said a mouthful uh this is a special edition of the deal uh our uh guest uh this week is Brittley Wright. normally Val Atkinson is here and we're talking uh, politics and all current events and stuff. But from time to time, we like to have a long form conversation with a guest. And this week it happens to be Brentley Wright. Um, if you go back and look at some of our other specials, Brentley, we did one uh, back when there was a uh, crisis with uh, baby formula. Mm. Now you go, so uh, why was there a, such a, a thing with baby formula? And, and one of the things that I learned in that special, and I and I encourage people to go back and listen to it, baby formula was actually a ploy to get black folks to buy pet evaporated milk. The mm. company in North Carolina found a black family that had four kids and they used them in their advertisement and they went to black communities and say you should not breastfeed you need to use pet milk with a little bit of sugar and some water and that's better for your baby than breast milk mm. and and it became the formula industry became a whole thing off of a black family from north carolina and then now 
when there was supposedly a shortage of formula, they were not encouraging black women to breastfeed. They were just saying there's a shortage of breast milk. Mm. Now, the reason why I bring that story up, Brittany, not only because I want people to go back and listen to that episode, but it, it brings in mind to me that the disparity between how people are treated, right? Uh, in healthcare, uh, in, in getting a job, in getting a loan. We talked about gentrification, how you, they go in and take away neighborhoods. We had Kurt Smith on our sister show, Connections, last week, and Professor Smith from NC State talked about Black people losing their land, mm. yada, yada. We can go down a long laundry list of things that we need to correct for. And, and, and so, I mean, we could talk about reparations. We could talk about a lot of other things. But to me, it seems to me that if you can meet people at their jobs, in boardrooms, make some change there, you can make much more substantial progress than jousting at windmills, right? We all read Don Quixote, right? Or like we talked about before, having individual protests. Uh, a lot of people know that I'm friends with George Floyd's family, uh, been, you know, uh, and, and they've been on this program. Uh, they've been on our other program. And they talk about the same thing. They, they say, we appreciate everybody who got out in the street and protested or whatever, but we got to do this multi-pronged or whatever. Mm-hmm. So this is a long way around to how we're going to wrap up this segment, Brentley. <clears throat> what do you hope to accomplish in, in, the, in, in the diversity and inclusion field in the short term that can make some of that progress real to people, right? Yeah. And to justify you know, you going out and speaking it. So in the short term, what can you do? Because black folks still get killed. We just said, I just said George Floyd's name, right? Yeah. Departments need to do better. But in the long term for when that 2040 date comes around. So talk to me about those two things, the short term and the long. Yeah. You know, and part of what to go back to what you're saying on the, on the formula piece, they, these companies understand our buying power. Like they have researchers that understand, okay, LGBTQ plus has a $3.7 trillion buying power globally, 1.8 or something like that nationally. Black folks, another 1.67, something like that. So which means that they understand marketing and through marketing, they overpromise us, right? The Gucci's, the Louis Vuitton's. Uh, even foolish marketing, like we just talked about with the baby formula, the pet formula, right? And what we do is we get it ingrained in our head because of these, 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 uh, these, these rings or pings in us from a marketing perspective. And then we go out and we, we're, we, we try it. We become, you know, test case subjects, et cetera. So in the short term, my job and what I'm doing is moving towards and helping these companies understand inclusive marketing practices that if you learn how to talk with one another, talk to one another, market to one another, each people group correctly and accurately, you could stop disparities. That's an actual win because we have marketing organizations that we're actually coaching, developing and putting DI initiatives to. That's an actual real short-term win. My long-term win is I have to keep fighting for equity, not equality, but equity for my folks, my people, and everyone else. I love what Cornell West said. I love everybody, but I start on my side of the tracks first. I have to start on my side of the tracks. So the moment that I understand how to turn, for example, uh, I work for the diversity movement. The CEO is a black man. The other co-founders are black, uh, with the exception of one white co-founder who was excellent, by the way. Uh, a very diverse team uh, brought me into the organization, has me up under his wing. He's a 30 year force, 1000 proven leader four businesses, four successful exits, multi multi millionaire. Uh, doing this business, looking to probably do another one when he exits, coaching me for C-suite. Do you think I'm not passing that down? That's what I can do in the short term and long term. Be the CEO of my life 
and help others get to where they need to be. And Steve Harvey said it best. The best thing you can do for poor people is not to be one. And that is so true because we all can't be in the same space. Somebody's got to fight. Somebody's got to get out there after it. So I'm scouring every podcast I can get on to talk about this. Uh, whatever the Lord drops in my lap, I'm going to talk about it. From a church perspective, I'm going to preach about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to design programs for it. I'm looking at my neighborhood and zip codes. I'm looking at anthropological studies. I'm going hard because my sons, their lives depend on, I cannot put them in the seas of DeSantis' hands and Trump's hands and any other person that thinks that we are not important, that thinks that we don't, our history is not valuable. And I, and that's what I'm going. So I'm going spiritual first and I'm going natural later, but I am working hard in the short term and long term for the fight of equity. I need folks coming up and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to hustle. Well, man, you gave me kills then when you talked about your sons, because I got sons too and daughters. And 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 then I'm also a senior citizen and elderly and 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 heading towards the end of my work life. And and I think a lot about, you know, what do I what can I do in the short term and long term? I've I've divided my life and my the way I approach my day like that. You know, I want to make an impact. To every time I'm able to meet some young person who's not, you know, in the majority, they don't have to be black. They can be Asian. They can be whoever. I try to invest some time in them and explain to them what they need to do to advance themselves and put themselves in a better position. And in the long term, I do this. I, I do connections. I do the deal. I write. You know, I'm constantly out there trying to talk about these issues because I think they're important. You know, Sherelle, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, we got a lot more to talk about and, and we'll have more of these special editions uh, of the deal from time to time. But I want to thank uh, Brentley Wright for joining us. Uh, anything else you need to tell us, uh, Sherelle, you know, this week? I mean, what do, what, do, what do we need to be thinking about? I do. And as we're wrapping up Brentley and thinking I, you know, it took me back to something that you both have been a part of, and it was an initiative that I had, and I think it fits perfectly right here, because if you want to learn more about Brentley's story and more about Ed Clark's story and listen to some other African-American men, it's called The Voices of a Black Man, and it's the thevoicesofablackman.com. Um, it is a place where, you know, it sparked with the George Floyd, after George Floyd, of what is my part, because my part wasn't marching, right? My part was, let's have some conversations and let's look at people for who they are and not for what you see first when you see them. And so if I leave anything, it is that what I said earlier, meet each one at the human level first. You know, you always say do good for someone. And in order to do that, you got to meet them at the human level first and then find commonality and then move forward. And I think that that's definitely something that one, you are enough right where you are, but that means that everyone else you meet is enough right where they are as well. Yeah, so Brantley, this is your first time on the deal. We got a, we got a rule here. Uh, first, you got to tell us where we can find all your information and, and, and where, you, where you're going to be uh, coming up. Yeah, check me out at uh, my website, personal site, BrentleyWright.com. So that's uh, Brentley, like Bentley, but with an R. So B-R-E-N-T-L-E-Y-W-R-I-G-H-T.com. It'll take you to my personal stuff. You'll get all my uh, social handles. it even take you to my uh, pers uh, work website as well with that bio. And if you need to reach out to me, you can reach out to me there. So that's where you can find me. And, and the other thing that you have to do is you have to tell us something we need to think about for the week coming up, something you're going to do or something you want somebody to do, read a book or whatever. You give us whatever you want that you think somebody will help somebody in the week coming up. Yeah, I think yeah, that's so I, that's powerful because uh, I'm always thinking. And so, um, one, you need to pray that God gives you an opportunity to meet someone who needs your help. You need to pray for that opportunity for God to, to for God to give you that person cross paths with that, that individual. Secondly, you need to be thinking about how you're going to improve your life to the next step. 
And what does that step look like? How to turn a passion into a deliverable. So pray that God will send you somebody to meet that you that needs your help. You're the answer. You're the answer to their prayer. And so whoever's been praying, pray to God that they run into you and be looking for that opportunity in a second. Improve your life through a new deliverable, through a new deliverable. I don't care if it's about losing three pounds over the next two weeks. Get it done. Uh, I don't if it's eating different. If it's what reading a new book, uh, which I think we all should be reading 24 seven. But however, whatever the new improvement for your life, take that. Yeah, that's a lot. That's powerful, too. Look, uh, folks, uh, if you get a chance, programming note, I catch Brentley right on connections uh, on Foxy 107, 104 on Sunday, uh, March the 5th at 8 a.m. Uh, if you don't catch it, then we always rebroadcast it starting on Monday after the show. So you can go to the website to deal with edclark.com, click on the link for connections, and you'll get all the information about Brantley, how to get in touch with him. you also see the full episode from Connections. Uh, Sherelle, we, I, I think we're out of time. So uh, I need for people to go out and do something good for somebody today. And then we'll be back with a regular edition of the deal next Saturday. Val Atkinson will be back in. We'll be chopping it up, talking about politics. Uh, I'm sure somebody will do something crazy. So we'll have plenty to talk about. So in the meantime, we'll see you next week. Bye.